Orlando and I have, you know, kind of a, a special path. You know, we we came into college together and we went through everything. You know, we redshirted together, and it's it's been really kind of special this this whole process and being able to have him here with me. Um, you know, I can't imagine doing all this without him. I want to use this stage and this pedestal that I'm on, and you know, be the best football player that I can be, but use that in a positive way to help people with diabetes. He gave him a handshake, you know, for what do you want him to hug, kiss, and, and do all that good stuff? It's, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Welcome into the lounge. We promised an interview, and we got one with Ravens rookie tight end Mark Andrews. You know, he forgot about our interview last week. Yeah, well, I was going to say, we, we promised the interview. The only caveat here is we promised the interview a week ago because yeah. we said the double feature last well, week. We, you know, we got it. We still got it. It yeah. counts. It counts. It counts. No double feature, but Just in, in our defense, when we promised the double feature, we didn't really take into account Thanksgiving thrown in the middle of the week. It's that true. threw things off. It's true. Are you still eating Thanksgiving leftovers? Because I'm still working on well, it. Well, I didn't host Thanksgiving. Yeah, so, you, that you're, who, who'd you go to? You went to Gleason's house. Yeah. He didn't send you home with leftovers? He didn't. What kind of host is that? I know, I know. Now, he had a large contingency of family there. I also, and this is you Patrick Gleason, by the way, in our yeah. PR department, just for those listening. Yeah. I'm honestly not a huge fan of the Thanksgiving leftovers. I'm what? fine. I'm fine doing the big meal and then, like... Here's Within another. 24 hours, I'm good with it. But if I'm still eating Thanksgiving leftovers now, a week later, like you're talking about, I'm out on that. Dude, this Thanksgiving sliders nah. are great. You get some rolls, you get the slider action. See, did you have any wine at Thanksgiving? I did. No, you're not allowed. You didn't pick alcohol. How did All you, right? you how, didn't pick alcohol? You, you, had, no, you had nothing but you had nothing but wine and rolls. Yeah, <laughs> the two item, the two items in your draft. Yeah, two and of my, cranberry sauce. Two of my favorite things to and have cranberry to sauce. consume. You had bread and wine. Sweet. <laughs> this is the Jesus Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, moving on. We got a great guest in Mark Andrews, uh, and we're going to dive into a number of things for him. But before we get into that, as always. We need to let you know that you can email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. And we got to pay the bills around here. Oh, yeah. Go you know ahead, we got to tell you about our friends from Bose. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens rely on Bose QC35 headphones, too, to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. You are the biggest distraction in my life, Ryan Mink. You're uh, The same powerful noise-canceling <laughs> technology helps you and concentrate on your music, your work, or whatever you're passionate about, passionate about. So learn more at bose.com slash ravens. What would you say your level of effectiveness at work is with me sitting in the same area as you? It, it definitely, when you're not here, you know, which is anytime before 10 a.m. because you don't Get show up. Get the hell out <laughs> of here. You don't show up anytime. You don't show up before Get 10 a.m. So that, that Look, period. you have a kid, if you have a kid, if you're lucky enough to have a kid, then... You'll so, find out it ain't easy to get in here at 8.30. So the first three hours of my day, when I get here at 7, until you arrive at 10, are the most <laughs> productive three hours of my day. Once you, you arrive here at 7, once you, once, get out of here. Once you arrive, the productivity declines significantly. Okay, now how much would your productivity go up when or if you had Bose headphones? Well, I do have Bose headphones, and whenever I've got them... When you put them on. When I've got them, go it, it goes up drastically. 15%, 20%? Definitely at least 20%. Oh, all right, that's a good that's a good teaser right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> Block out your annoying coworkers. <laughs> anyway, with all that said, let's get into our interview with Mark Andrews. Well, we are happy to be joined by rookie tight end Mark Andrews. Mark, we had Hayden on. 
Now it's your turn. So obviously a lot of pressure here. You got to up them in the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, we got to start off with the the obvious, and that's getting caught from behind <laughs> on a seventy four yard reception. Yep. Just, you know, you told me after the game that some guys were telling you you had to go to their speed training uh, courses or camps in the summer. Is, are you going to do that? Have you followed up? You made your reservations or what? Well, they all promised them for free, so I, I definitely will be attending. But, <laughs> you know, I think that guy was, he was like, uh, he was like, like Forrest Gump or something. He was probably the fastest person alive. <laughs> <laughs> Rashawn Melvin, a former Raven, actually. Uh, yeah. He's, he, fa- he's a pretty fast guy. He's a fast guy. He is yeah. a fast guy. We'll give it to you. Were you, it's, when I was watching the play, it seemed like you kind of were just running, and then you kind of did the look, and you were mm-hmm. like, all right, I need to make a decision here as to whether I just try to, like, run it, outrun him, whether I try to shrug him off. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I was moving. I was actually going pretty fast, and then I turned around just to kind of check, and he was a little closer than I thought he'd be. And, you know, kind of stuck my arm out, just kind of waiting for it. I should have just ran or cut to the left, and I think I would have scored. Um, but kind of made the mistake of slowing down and trying to stiff arm him. Here's the worst part is that Suggs got in later in the game. <laughs> the 36-year-old. Yeah. Did, he, did he let you hear about that? No, he didn't say anything about it. But Lamar also had an open field go, and he got caught as well. So That's, that's true. So I'm safe on that. That's one. true. That I mean, were you at all surprised by just, like, I mean, you got open on that play. I mean, is that because the linebacker was it a linebacker or safety that was on the end of the line there? I feel like uh, I, think kinda, it was a, I think it was a corner. You sh- okay? So you shrugged yeah. past it. It was the guy who okay. It was mm-hmm. Melvin. So like, I mean, it seemed like you kind of bluffed a block and then went up. You just kind of went straight up into your route. And is that? Do you think you got so wide open because they have to kind of watch Lamar to see if he's going to run it or or what? Uh, there's no doubt. You know, Lamar is such a, a special, dynamic type player that. And we do those type of blocks all the time, you know, right. blocking those corners and, and everybody and arcing to them. And, um, you know, probably, you know, got confused for a second and just kind of slipped up in, inside of him. And, you know, by that time I was, I was already by him. So yeah. it's hard on defenses to game plan and, um, you know, just trying to take advantage of, of the, the, the moments that we get. And, and um, you know, it's, it's not easy for a defense to game plan for, for a guy like Lamar. Mm-hmm. So while we're on that topic, obviously a huge topic around Baltimore this week, uh, we're not going to ask you for who's starting at quarterback if that's even been revealed to you yet, <laughs> yeah. okay? okay? But uh, we do want to ask you about just what you've seen from Lamar in his two starts, like his, his personality, how he's handled things, how he's handled the huddle. What have been your impressions? Well, you know, Lamar came in here in, in rookie camp, and, you know, he was a guy that, you know, right away wasn't a guy that, you know, came in and just run, ran the ball. He, he could throw the ball, and, and everyone saw that, and he's a quarterback first. And, you know, I think the media kind of portrays him, you know, not being able to throw the ball because he's so athletic and he doesn't fit that mold of, of a pr- prototypical quarterback. But, um, you know, he's done a great job. And, you know, you throw anybody else into and, and try to make them be a quarterback in the NFL, it's – it's not an easy thing to do. So much that they have to know. Um, they have to be able to verbally communicate everybody's jobs. And there's a lot on his, on his plate. And as a rookie, it's not easy. So, um, you know, what he's doing right now is incredible. You know, I, I can't imagine being in that situation. He's, he's doing a great job. It, it seems to me like you guys as a team, particularly as an offense, like you got a spark from it. And that's not really – it's not a knock on Joe and, and what the offense did with him, but it just seemed like Lamar is such an exciting player that there was like almost curiosity to see like, all right, what can this guy do once he moves into the starting lineup? Did you feel a spark, and how has that like affected the offense over the past couple of weeks? Um, yeah, you know, it's just so different. Um, you know, both have, you know, huge positives and yeah. whatnot. So um, the offenses are kind of totally different between the two. And, 
Um, you know, there there may be a little bit spark, but you know, I, I think that you know just just how tough it is for defenses to game plan is is being the big thing. It's we're able to do so much, and um, you know, guys are playing hard, and we've we've had two good weeks in a row, so we're just trying to to, to carry on with that. I think part of it, and you you know, you reference Lamar's throwing ability, which is something you know that people have questioned. I think part of that is that. For media members and fans of the Ravens who have watched Joe throw the ball for the past decade plus, like Joe has one of the best arms in the league. Yep, they're I mean, spoiled. Right, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about just best spirals, like sharpest, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got an incredible arm. Yep. Lamar, at this point, doesn't have that arm, like that pure tap throwing talent, I would say, maybe, yet. Right? Yeah, they're different. I mean, they're different, but yeah. you just have to get used to as a fan and probably as a player playing with both quarterbacks. Like, it's just going to look a little bit different. It doesn't mean that both can't be effective. No doubt. You know, and I, mean, I think Lamar was 13 for 19 for his first time, you know, playing. Right. And, you know, that's pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's done a good job. They just have su- such different throwing motions and whatnot. Right. And Joe stands in there and, you know, throws like, you know, like he's a god in there. He's, he's so he's so tall and <laughs> yeah. the ball comes downhill at you. And it's it's basically a receiver's dream. Um, but Lamar, Lamar puts it in there and um, puts it where it needs to be. So, you know, they're both they're both, you know, quality throwers. One more question about Lamar is you obviously came in with him as, as rookies at the same time. So you guys have been in every meeting, player development meeting, offensive meeting. I mean, you guys, your lockers are, are right over there in the same corner right next to each other. How have you seen – the thing that kind of stood out to me is that he's like a guy that seems like supremely confident. But he, even with all the hype and the Heisman and all of that, like he never seemed to be sort of caught up in that. How have you seen him just handle the attention that's on him without being – like? asserting himself in the locker room without being perceived as too cocky or arrogant like how have you seen him go about all of that yeah, the first time I actually met Lamar was and you know Baker had been talking about him um, before but I went to the Heisman with Baker and um, he was talking about Lamar and you know how much he liked him and he just about how kind of you know down to earth he was and you know when I met him I got that you know kind of aspect and the sense from him he uh He's a guy that, you know, he hasn't let any of this stuff get to his head. And, you know, he is who he is. And, um, you know, if you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. And um, that's the type of person he is. He's real. Um, he's genuine. And, um, you know, the kind of team that you really want. I kind of think that's how he and Joe are very similar. They're both very real dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just going to be who they are. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and that's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like something that teammates definitely respect. Like, you just can't be fake. If you're real, you can respect that. No doubt, they both have you know very you know obviously different personalities. <laughs> yes, for sure. But they they straight they stay true to who they are. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about your season. I mean, you come in here and, and you're putting up really big production. Is this uh, has it at all caught you by surprise? Did you do you have a bigger role than you anticipated, especially when Hayden gets drafted in the first round? You know, how's it played out as compared to your expectations? Um, you know, I was, you know, I've always been a confident guy in, in my abilities and, and what I can do. And, um, you know, I didn't really expect to get drafted in the third round. You know, I thought it was going to be a little earlier. Um, so there was, you know, there was no, you know, thoughts of in my head that of doubt. And there was no doubt in my head that, um, you know, just because Hayden was going to be here that, you know, I wouldn't be able to be productive. And, um, you know, I had met Hayden um, during the combine process, and we really kind of clicked it, it clicked it off. And um, he was probably the only guy that me and him were, were you know, you could tell there was some sort of bond. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of special the way that happened. Um, I'm excited for the future with, with him and I, and um, I'm excited. You know, there's, there's going to be a, you know, 
a lot of growth between him and I and, and, and the way that we can take this offense and, and grow and, and um, kind of be a special duo. When you get drafted, I'm sure you look at it and you probably already know that he, he had been picked, you know, the, the previous day. I would think a lot of players, if you get picked and a player had just been picked at your position in the first round, you're probably thinking like, ugh, you know, like you, to be honest, guys are probably like, I got to go there and same year and try to fight my way through that. But it sounds like that was never like your thought at the time. You already knew him and, and felt pretty good about it. Yeah, not at all. You know, it was, you know, obviously that, you know, he was the, the high pick and, and, you know, that is what it is. And I was excited to go in there. And obviously I, I liked Hayden a lot before I got there. So, um, you know, it was exciting. It was never like a, a him or me situation. You know, I knew in Baltimore they – They've always kind of done this two tight end um, draft classes. I know Pitta got drafted with a uh, with Ed another Dixon. tight end. Yeah, Ed Dixon and mm-hmm. um, Boyle so and they, Max. Yeah, exactly. So they they've done it before. Um, so there was no real worry for me, and I was just excited to to be able to get drafted here uh, by this organization and, and be able to play with Hayden as well. What's it been like though when when you get have a hot start, he has an injury and kind of a cool start? Is he like? Eh, the hell, man! I want to get in on some of that. Nah. Share, spread the wealth, baby. Come on. Yeah, he's uh, he's incredibly supportive of his teammates, and you know, all throughout the way, and unfortunately with that injury, um, you know, it was it was kind of tough, you know, to see him sit out, and just because you know, he was having a good training camp, and you know, he's playing well. Um, but you know, it's always the next man up, and this is the NFL, so there's there's going to be guys to perform, and um, he was right there smiling and, and, and happy with, with with all of us. So um, you know, he never got down on himself, and you can see right now he's getting to his groove. Well, speaking of supportive of teammates, uh, you and Baker Mayfield, former college teammates, and you know, there's a little a little uh, hate on him from Colin Coward. Uh, in the media business, mm-hmm. and you stepped up to the plate and called out Coward. The, the, the backstory, basically. Yeah, give it to him. Yeah, the backstory is obviously the Browns play the Bengals. Former Browns coach Hugh Jackson gets fired, goes to the Bengals. Baker wasn't a huge fan of Hugh basically getting fired and then going to a division rival who they play twice a year. Wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, whole thing and Colin Coward was critical of the way that Baker was critical of you but they also have a long-standing thing so anyway you Colin and and yeah Colin and Baker sorry Um, so you took to Baker's defense on Twitter what exactly did you say I can't remember yeah so at the end of the day so no one on the outside world really knows what's what's going on what you know Hugh says in that locker room and the dynamic between all of them Mm. you know no one does so um, I think it's hard to judge someone um, it's hard to judge Baker, you know, on 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 what he did. He gave he gave him a handshake, you know, for what he went on the hug, kiss, and, and do all that good stuff. It's <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and you know, I think you know people like Colin need to be kind of you know held accountable. Um, just the way you, you attack someone so much and so often is a little bit ridiculous. You know, it's 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 kind of sad that a, a guy like that can just you know say whatever he wants and, and demean and kind of attack someone's character and, and all these different things and have no re- repercussions because you know just about everything he says about Baker is false mm-hmm. right. I mean you and Baker for listeners that don't know you obviously played in college together and but you're great friends off the field I mean mm-hmm. you guys are really close was it tough when you were going through the draft process I mean like it seemed like every time Baker's name got brought up during the pre-draft process it was like eh is he the right mindset, you know, off the field? Does he have that persona? How is he in the locker room? Is he too brash? Like, all of that. Was it kind of like you obviously play with him and you're great friends with him, and you're like, why is this dude getting bashed all the time for stuff that I know isn't true? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough to see that. And it was more of like a, a media thing. It wasn't like an NFL thing. So Yeah. Um, Obviously, the Browns didn't mind. Yeah. So <laughs> in the vibe I got around the whole the NFL was that, you know, he's a football guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's a guy that right away when he walked in the room, the whole, you know, the whole organization fell in love with him. So it wasn't like I was worried about him not getting drafted high or anything like that because <laughs> everybody loved him. But um, it sucks being that type of situation that everything you do is, is analyzed and it is what it is. But, you know, people, you know, again, they're not held accountable for what they say. And, you know, they're, they're saying the wrong things about a good kid. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of like that you're both in the AFC North and you get to monitor each other a little bit more than maybe otherwise? Yeah, no doubt. You know, I kind of, you know, keep touch and keep tabs and uh, we joke around a little bit more often than we probably would if we didn't you know we're rivals so it's it's been fun <laughs> that's cool the other guy from Oklahoma is obviously Orlando Brown um, you guys I mean speaking of lockers right next to each other you guys third both third round picks um, literally season, right next to each yeah other. literally right next to each other <laughs> and it's funny because Mick and I always joke like if, if you need a quote in the locker room you and Orlando are going to be in there and you're a good person to go to because you guys are accessible which is nice as reporters as media people we like it that you guys are accessible so don't change um, but uh is it has it been easier like the two of you guys coming here together and being friends and making that transition yeah Orlando and I have you know kind of a, a special path you know we've we came into college together and we went through everything you were redshirted together and um you know played you know three years of, of ball at Oklahoma together and you know went and signed the same agency trained for the draft and um you know he got drafted three picks before me and went to the same team so it's it's been really kind of special this this whole process and being able to have him here with me um you know, I can't imagine doing all this without him. Um, you know, he's been kind of a guy that I can lean on and um, rely on to just ask things, you know, just, you know, talk to every day. So, you know, having him here has been has been awesome. Um, I love to see him. He's kind of grown out of shell and he's starting to play and um, and do his thing because, you know, he got a lot of doubters after that you combine. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, he's a ball player at the end of the day, and I'm glad it's showing. There's like a theme to this is doubters or something, you know. It's Baker or <laughs> Yeah. You, know, we, you getting dra- drafted later than you should have as a Mackey Award winner. Everyone's got to have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> it's true. It's true. What uh, What's something that you can tell us about, like, you and Orlando's friendship that maybe people don't know, a story that you can share or what you guys do off the field or something like that? Oh, uh, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Orlando's kind of a, a larger-than-life character. Um, Literally and figuratively? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Is he larger than life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, uh, you know, he's, you know, on the field, he's one of the, the meanest, you know, just, you know, talks and, and does all this stuff. But, you know, outside of the field, the guy's a big teddy bear um, at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I love the kid to death. You know what's kind of crazy is, I mean, I'm sure you know the story with his dad and how he got hit in the eye with that mm-hmm. penalty flag. Mm-hmm. And then you got hit with the, I noticed that, yeah. that you got hit with the penalty flag yeah. against in the Bengals game. Right in the it? chest though, right? Right in the, right <laughs> yeah. in the, but I saw you be like, what the hell, man? You tried to Orlando <laughs> Brown me. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, the, I think the ref, ref made a terrible call and then the, the ref threw it right at me. Like it was like vindictive, like, you know, screw you. Um, <laughs> and then Orlando comes over. He's like, dude, you should get money for, for him doing that. Yeah. you know the whole story with my dad but you know it was whatever but I thought it was funny Orlando said something about it yeah yeah one more Oklahoma question which NFL team is Lincoln Riley going to be coaching next year oh boy 
Oklahoma, man. He's <laughs> staying in Oklahoma for sure. We're going to get a national championship this year. Hey. Yeah. So tell people a little bit just about your backstory too, your personal story. You know, you have diabetes and, and that's something that you manage all the time. How has that process been in the NFL? Has it been at all any different from the, the process that you had in college? And what do you do on a daily basis? Um, you know, it hasn't, you know, changed too much. Obviously now being in the NFL, it's, you know, everything's a little bit, you know, amped up. You know, it's, this is my job and my livelihood. So everything I do is, you know, dependent on my health and that includes my diabetes. But, um, you know, I've always been very, very, um, you know, diligent about my health and, and my diabetes especially. So um, I'm really on top of it. You know, thankfully enough, I've got, you know, great training staff here and teammates and coaches that, that look after me and, and make sure I'm okay. And uh, my family back home, um, you know, they're always coming out here and, um, and, and, and hanging around. So you know, I've got a huge support staff that helped me out, but um, I've always been a person that, you know, is, you know, you know, health first. Right. Do you have to wear something during the game? Like, um, yeah. So I, I have a pump and then I just take that off, but I also have a, a Dexcom G6, which is like a, a continuous glucose monitor, which always stays on. And it basically just reads your blood glucose and sends it Bluetooth through um, to my phone on my app. But then how do they monitor that during the game? Like they don't have your phone, obviously. No. So during the game, I actually, um, I test my blood sugar. Um, I always carry like, like around my uh, diabetes bag and it has like a, a tester kit, which I use during the game. Gotcha. Just during the sideline, whenever mm-hmm. you go to the sideline. And do you ever have to basically adjust? Like you're like, hey, it's getting a little bit low, like during a game and I need to adjust within a game itself? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm really kind of diligent about not letting it get low. Um, that's kind of the, the, the area you don't want to have happen so sure. um you know i've been really good this year um probably my best year i've had of, of football and my diabetes and during games and um that's something that that matters to me a lot um not letting it affect me at all um just because the image i want to set for for kids and families out there but um you know it hasn't had a, a, a point where I've, I've had a problem with it i do think your your point about being kind of an inspiration in that regard i think that's really cool because we see I'm sure that you've seen it throughout your career and your life, but we see it sometimes from uh, fans who, young people who have diabetes, and they're basically like, this is, I look at a guy who's in the NFL having a lot of success, he had a lot of success at the college level, that's an inspiration to me. Is that something that you truly value as being that kind of guy? That's my, that's my, like, my life drive. You know, I, I, um, you know, I want to use this, this, this stage and this pedestal that I'm on and, um, you know, be the best football player that I can be but use that in a positive way to help, um, you know, people with diabetes. And that's my end goal. It's awesome. Well, we, you're being a darn good football player, so you're off to a great start. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> So that. thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Appreciate Mark. it, bud. Appreciate thank it, you for having me. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Mark. Uh, really good dude. I'm, I'm excited about Mark, not only as a football player, but as a guy that we get to go to in the locker room for interviews for a long time. Like now. I said, yeah, he, him in Orlando, just to kind of set the stage there for fans who don't know, when you go into open locker room for media time, a number of players use that as an opportunity to go to the training room, to go to the cafeteria, to kind of go to the player's locker room, or player's lounge, just to basically find any place other than the locker room because some players prefer not to do media or they go and do a quick media session and then they get out some of there. Some people don't want to talk to you. Exactly. We scare a very frightening person and scare a lot of people out there. <laughs> However, Mark and Orlando, they basically set up shop. They, they post up. They post up. They get in there. Open locker room starts at whatever, noon. They're there noon and it ends at one. They're there noon to one, sitting in their stools, accommodating, 
willing to be interviewed. Well, I don't think that's the reason. I think it's. Oh, just it has a, nothing to do with wanting to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah. It just has. They're just. They're just fine to be there. They're just rookies who are like, yeah, I guess I'll just hang out here. I yeah, think. they're fine to hang out in the locker room. <laughs> so I like it. I like it. I hope that doesn't change. Yeah, but uh, before we go, I, I do think you know we touched on this in our interview with Mark Andrews, and it's obviously the question of the week. So I think. Uh, we would be remiss not to talk about it just a little bit to touch on it before we go. And that's the debate between who should be the starting quarterback uh, if Joe and Lamar are both healthy, which that's TBD at the time of taping yep. this podcast. Um, but, I mean, this is a debate that we haven't had in Baltimore for over a decade. Yep. For about a decade, since 2008. So... What do you think, Garrett? Who, if you're John Harbaugh, okay, yep. put on your John Harbaugh hat. Mm-hmm. Who are you going with? Well, we'll preface this by saying no one is knocking on our door asking what we think. You know, Definitely not. And we have zero insider knowledge. <laughs> so that's just as preface is, everything with that. As is always the case. Yes. Um, <laughs> with that said, I would stick with Lamar Jackson. As I said last week on the podcast with Dennis Pitta, um, I told – and I stand by a lot of what I said last week when I was debating Pitta on it. And obviously he was on the, the Joe Flacco side. Um, but I think that my argument is even more – is stronger. stronger is he even stronger this week after seeing a second week of Lamar Jackson? Here's yeah. what it comes down to. I think that he's a good enough thrower, and he's thrown. He has some passes that obviously aren't as clean looking as Joe Flacco, but he's throwing well enough in my mind. Had a great pass to Mark. Had a great pass to John Brown that was called back. Had a great pass to John the previous week that set up the the, the field goal right before halftime. Had a nice pass to Mark in that first game. So like when I see him throwing, I actually have been impressed with the way that he has thrown the ball. So mm-hmm. to me, he checks the box on throwing. Running the ball, the running offense is far and away better. I mean, they're the best rushing offense in the NFL with Lamar. Without him, they're over, the bottom of the league. Over the past two weeks, they've run for more yards than anybody in the league. Yeah, 509 yards. not even close. 420 yards for the Houston Texans that second. So almost 100 yards more than any other team in the league. So it's night and day. And they weren't going to get a rushing offense with Joe. It just, you had a nine-week, what, ten-week sample size, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. Yep. So to think that all of a sudden you insert him back into the lineup, that's going to change. I, I don't see that being the case. All right, so I, I have a, a handy, I did a little, I put my thoughts down on paper, which I don't usually do, like to do mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast. I like to shoot from the hip. Yeah. But I put it down on paper this time. Let's go ahead and see, okay. see if it makes your, your arguments any better. Here's my, and I was really struggling with this decision last week at this time, so I'll give you credit. Uh, but I, I'm stronger than Lamar Camp now. Okay, you've come over. To, welcome, yeah. welcome, buddy. I'm, I'm pretty strong. Thank you very much. For having <laughs> me. Um, I was leaning towards Lamar last week, but I, I had a harder time. I wasn't sticking my flag in there as strong as you were. Uh-huh. Uh, so over the past two weeks, as you said, the rushing attack has improved. That's a huge reason. It's gone from 27th to 11th in the league. I think that's because it's 11 on 11 football now. With Joe handing it off, it's 10 on 11 when you're running the ball. And what just what you mean by that, basically, Lamar's a threat to run. So exactly. he can hand it off and Gus can go one it. way, or Lamar can keep it and Lamar can go the exactly. other. That's not happening. So you have an additional player, yeah. which really opens things up. Plus, you're causing more hesitation for the defense, which really almost makes it like 11 on 10 because mm-hmm. that guy is hesitating. You know, they talked all year about we're so close in the running game. We're close. We're close. Well, now just that little bit of hesitation turns a game of inches in your favor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, plus, you just have the threat of Lamar. I mean, he's put up 190 rushing yards. That's like a, a top-tier NFL running back. Yep. He's averaging more yards per carry than Todd Gurley yeah. is this year. Okay? All right, so there's that. 
rushing attack is, and like I agree with you. I don't know that with Joe handing the ball off that the run game would be what it is. I don't think it would. Be. I think Gus Edwards has been a really nice addition and development and fine, yes. but. I think you're kidding yourself to believe that if you put Joe back in there, that Gus Edwards is just going to continue putting up 100 yards a game. I would agree. Okay. Another big factor for me, time of possession. Yep. Okay. Ravens won it in against Oakland. They had it 34-12 to 25-48. Mm-hmm. Okay. Against uh, Cincy, the Ravens had it 38-09 to 21-51. I yep. mean, dominant. Now, that takes that has a two-pronged effect. Effect. A, it helps you keep really good offenses off the field, which is going to be particularly useful when you're going up against the Falcons, Chiefs, the Bucks can put up some numbers, you know, the Chargers, all those teams down the stretch that have really good offenses. That might be your best defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. B, it makes your defense better because it keeps them fresher. Okay. Look at this. So the Ravens against the uh, against the Raiders had 58 defensive snaps. Yep. Against the Bengals, 55. The week before, they had 80 yep. against the Steelers. That's like you're playing two-thirds of a game instead of a full game now. Yeah. It's like into playing another quarter and a half on defense. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Okay, They were averaging 71.3 snaps on defense during a three-game losing skid. During the two-game winning streak, they're averaging 56.5. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Okay, That makes you better in getting sacks late in games, which we saw against the Raiders, in getting turnovers late in games or at any point during the game, which we saw against the Raiders. And I think that's really, as we've said before, the only the big improvement that this Ravens defense can make. They need more turnovers. They need more splash plays. They need to get the pass rush going. Being fresher, especially down the stretch when other teams are, are tired, will help greatly with that. Then... Here's, here's the biggest questions, okay, about Lamar. Because those are the two obvious helps, yeah. the run game, okay? The biggest question is, is he as good as Flacco in the passing attack, okay? And I would argue that it's not very clear-cut, mm-hmm. okay? Yards per attempt. I think this is the best metric you can have here, okay, in terms of success of a passing game. Lamar is averaging 7.41 yards per passing attempt. Flacco, 6.5. Mm-hmm. So when he throws, he's more effective than Joe was previous to that. Now. Yeah, you got to throw the caveat out there. The caveat is the defenses that he's faced. He's gone against two of the worst. Mm-hmm. So people are like, well, I'll judge it when I see Lamar go against a good defense. He's not going to go against a very good defense the rest of the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the, the last five final games the Ravens have this season, they face four of the bottom six defenses in the NFL. Yeah. So like, and, and, and when you dive into it even more, those teams are particularly poor with the exception of one against the run. They are. Uh, it's not as bad as you would think, but yeah. No, they're all, they're all in the bottom half of the league against the run with the exception bottom of the Bottom half of the league, yes. With the except- total defense, they're even worse than they are against the run. I, um, but, but, yeah. but when you look they're at They're not good against the run. They're yes. particularly poor against the run. They are. So, so anyway, I don't think, I don't think it, it's kind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In regards to that, and I think here's the other factor. There's two other ones. A, Lamar's going to keep continue to get better. Mm-hmm. I think he looked better throwing the ball and more decisive in making his reads from in the Raiders game than he did for the Bengals game. And and when you compare it to how he looked in the preseason, and we compare the preseason to how for he sure. looked in training camp, when you compare training camp to how he looked in rookie minicamp, we've seen an arc. significant improvement yep. over the course of his time here. Only getting better, Joe. I don't know what his health. He could be healthy enough to play, but is the hip going to be a problem? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a, a injury question mark there yeah. at least, and he's rusty. He hasn't played in a, a month. month, Yeah, right? 
And the last thing, and, I, and we'll go, because I know this is getting long, is I think it's excitement, right? I think that this team has been energized by the change. I, a, a number of players, I think, have been. Um, and just winning creates that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that you want to stop that momentum to change it back. It, to me, it reminds me a little bit of the San Francisco 49ers when they made the change from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick back in 2012, which sparked the Super Bowl run mm-hmm. all the way until they played the Ravens. Then we stopped them. But anyway, it, it, I think there are some similarities to that in which you get this, this change of pace at quarterback, who, this exciting player, and you, you see the team kind of rally around that and, and thus can go on a little bit of a winning streak. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I agree with everything, that, the points that you made. I've been in this camp, you know, for the last... I felt that way when I left the stadium after the win against the Bengals, that it should be Lamar's job the rest of the way. Um, barring any sort of drastic underperformance from him against the Raiders um, or something like that. Mm-hmm. If he falls off a cliff, you know, if he goes on the road and, and can't call plays, I think that's a big test. That's a big thing. It's a big, a big test is going on the road, running the offense. They did have some kind of mechanics... Issues yep. had to blow some timeouts last week. It's going to be even more challenging in a road atmosphere. That's a good point. So that to, that to me is the biggest, the next test. But to me, Lamar has passed every test already. Yes. So there's no reason in my mind to think that this is one that he can't pass. So yep. um, it, it it'll be interesting to see how it plays off plays out. But we're in camp Lamar right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not knock to Joe. No, it, you had to pick one. I mean, exactly. If we were to say Joe, it's would people would say that's a knock against Lamar. So it's yeah. it's it's. I don't see it that way. I just think that as his team currently, as they're constructed right now, Lamar gives them the best chance to win. And like I said last week, this is not about at all by any stretch. Let's see what you got. Let's see for what you got. Future, right? No, this is not a decision for the future. It's a decision for right now. Because the Ravens have a real chance to a make the playoffs, still have a chance to to win the division potentially, and so you're right, try, trying to win right now. And I think Lamar gives you the best chance to do that. So you're going down to Atlanta. You're going to scope out our Super Bowl hangout spot. Yeah, I'm going to go check out. I'm going to I'm going to do a little scouting mission this weekend. <laughs> figure out where we're going to go for the Super Bowl. Pick out the spots. Uh, so I'll get back to you. Let you know. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>